So I'll start this episode out by just sharing that Allison Powell and I, we were hanging out, looking around, and we're like, we got to make this movie. This is too funny of an idea. So we kind of, we collaborated again. We're, we're writing a, uh, a film script right now, but uh, we call it Working From Home. So it's on YouTube. It's like three minutes long. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. Definitely check it out. But uh, my son, Matt, had a heck of a time filming it. And we filmed it in like less than three hours and just had a really good time. And I felt like, man, if I'm going to talk to filmmakers and ultra runners, why not just make a little short film to uh, kind of celebrate the art of filmmaking and, and everything involved in that process. So really appreciate you guys checking that out. The answer. I mean, never a better time to start recording if we have to throw this all away. So be it. Welcome to the Training for Ultra podcast. I'm Allison Powell. I'm super excited to be back to be talking all things ultra running, filmmaking, and filmmaking as an ultra runner. And I'm Victoria Negri. Thanks so much, Rob, for having me on. I'm really excited to chat. Um, Allison and I connected, I think, like a year ago on our own just because of all the similarities with running and filmmaking. Um, so yeah, thanks and welcome everyone to the Training for Ultra podcast. If we could just free ourselves of our perceived limitations and tap into our internal fire, the possibilities are endless. I'll tell you about it when it happened in the race, but to be honest with you, it happened even before the race. It happened in the training. A great cause. Oh, thank you. I respect that, man. So you keep doing what you do, it, man. Keep inspiring. For all you kids out there, stay safe and stay strong. Hey everyone, it's the Training for Ultra podcast. Scott Jurek here. I was physically totally wrecked. I, I had nothing left. I figured I might as well move as quickly as possible towards the finish line if I was going to be moving towards it anyways. How do you even do that? I decided if I could, you know, finish a 50 miler, I could probably run across the country. 100 miles is not that far. Welcome to episode 183 of the Training for Ultra podcast. My name's Rob. I also go by Training for Ultra. And as always, we have a really great episode. We're talking to Allison Powell and Victoria Negri, both just super talented filmmakers and ultra runners. So I, I personally really like the episode title, The Art of Suffering, the Ultra Running Filmmakers. Shout out to my intern Sarah for for being a genius behind that title wish I came up with that myself so our guests today Allison Powell and Victoria Negri both just super talented filmmakers so Victoria's from Brooklyn she's a filmmaker producer festival curator and ultra runner uh, she has written directed and shared a plethora of award-winning films and I'm most excited about her upcoming one. We talk about it a little bit during the episode. And arguably this this interview with both Allison and Victoria is more, it's probably a little bit tilted towards film, but nonetheless, Victoria's topic of her next big project, uh, I think you'll take a, a big interest to. And um, most of the listeners are, are probably aware of Allison Powell that she's been on the episode. I went out and paste and crude her or just crude her at moab 240 and uh allison she's la-based filmmaker and ultra runner 
and um, holds a Backbone Trail FKT and just she loves running. It's definitely part of her daily life. So hope you guys enjoy this episode, trying something a little different. And uh, just I always enjoy conversations with artists and inspiring people. Hope you guys enjoy this episode, but first let's uh, thank the sponsors. I'm Ethan Wayne, director of the John Wayne Cancer Foundation. And I'm Molly, the race director for the John Wayne Grit Series. My father, John Wayne, asked my family and I to use his name to help find a cure for cancer. So we started the Grit Series. It's a series of 5Ks, 10Ks, and half marathons that take place in the most beautiful and rugged landscapes across the Southwest, including places where John Wayne shot some of his most famous movies. That's right. And all the race proceeds go towards cancer research and prevention programs. We're asking you to join us and bring your courage, strength, and grit to the fight against cancer. For more information on a race near you, visit us at johnwayne.org. That's johnwayne.org. Stay dusty. Also, big thank you to Tannery Outdoors. If you're interested, use uh, the promo code ULTRA10 for 10% off. But this is just a great company. You know, it's designed for runners by runners. Uh, The founder is an ultra runner. And it's an all-natural mineral-based product, which... In this era of of sunscreen recalls and everything taking place there, it's just comforting knowing um, this is a a good, honest company and um, it it cares about the ultra running community. It cares about the trails and in the national parks and state parks. I think 1% of their sales goes back into the park systems and they, they definitely support, you know, some really great ultra runners and ultra running podcasts thank you to exoskin definitely check them out t the number four u20 for i think it's 15 percent off at this point it, it ranges throughout time but they have new colored toe socks and you know i'm a sucker for toe socks i i absolutely love those definitely throwing on the toe socks their calf sleeves are great they now have underwear and compression tops and i i really am a big fan of almost all their products. I use them during all my races. So it's so nice having people that are actors and they remember their lines and they nail it on the first take. It's a beautiful thing. Allison, Victoria, thank you for joining me on the podcast. So Allison and I are writing a script together. We're interacting behind the scenes a lot. And I went to Badwater. I saw you doing some video for... Chris, it looked like, and afterwards, uh, I came across your profile and I sent it to Allison. I'm like, this is a filmmaker ultra runner who also acts. Like, do you know her at all? And Allison was like, yeah, we were like friends. We talked uh, about a year ago. Um, but putting together your two backgrounds, being so similar in filmmaking and being creative minded and then also ultra runners i just had to have you on the podcast so um thank you again i know that was very long-winded no No, i love it i was so glad for the reconnection because i i agree victoria i'm like it feels like a year ago but it was probably more like two because all of 2020 just like got deleted from everyone's brain that's true and two years ago Right. And I was telling Rob, like, yeah, we planned to go on a run together. And she came out to LA. And then 
just with so as so many other things did we just kind of fell apart on that so super excited to catch up again and hear what you've been up to yeah it's great it's like it's definitely meant to be with all the things we have in common so i'm really yeah happy to chat yeah. So we we have our our West Coast filmmaker and East Coast filmmaker, Victoria. Where are you joining us from? Where are you mostly found? Because I know filmmakers, actors, and, and directors and whatnot uh, tend to just travel constantly. Are you are you joining us on the East Coast? I hope I got that right. Yeah, I'm I'm mostly based in Brooklyn right now. I'm hanging out um, with my family in Connecticut near New Haven. Um, just spending some time with uh, with them. Yeah, we did like and a then Allison to Boston. So now I'm just hanging out. <laughs> yeah, and Allison, you're typically in LA, is that right? Yeah, I've been in in LA for about eight years, and then left last summer, and have kind of been bouncing around since then. But I'll be back at the end of August for a short film. Currently with my family as well in North Carolina, so also on the East Coast for the moment. So I got to start with Victoria, like when, when did you get into uh, more of the creative outlets? Did you go through like a typical college routine and you just always found yourself taking more drama or more art related classes and went that direction? Did you go to formalize like film school? Yeah, I, I'm both of my parents are artists. My dad was a painter and a pianist and my mom is an art teacher, but she's also a writer. She's writing a book right now and she's um, always drawing and sketching things on her own. So I just grew up in a really creative family. So I feel like I was doomed from birth to (laughs) pursue something in the arts. Um, And I always changed what I wanted to do. When I was a kid, I wanted to be a musician And then I hit high school and I was like, acting is my thing. And then I went to um, NYU Tisch uh, and majored in acting. Um, And then, yeah, I graduated and I was like going hard at it. But it was just really frustrating very quickly for me realizing like, "Ah, I have a lot that I want to say and none of the roles that I'm auditioning for are that interesting or... Some are well-written, but most opportunities are few and far between for anything that was intellectually or creatively stimulating. So I just said to the people that I thought were talented, hey, can I help behind the scenes and just like learn and do anything behind the camera? And this whole time I was writing and writing and writing and writing and trying to come up with something that I knew I would one day be brave enough to make on my own. And yeah, a few years of just being behind the camera and working my way up and eventually realizing Um, that producing was something I was good at. I did a bunch of that. And then I was like, hey, I just want to make a feature film and I'm going to direct it and I'm going to act in it like a crazy person. Um, So yeah, I kind of, I think this is where the ultra thing comes in too. Like I go big or I go home. I just want to see like what my limits are. And that definitely applies artistically also. It's like, well, why make the short when I think it could be a feature? (laughs) why run just 10 miles when you can do 50 um so yeah that's been my that's been my my creative journey and somewhat touching and the similarities with running i mean tell me really quick about losing the fear of failing and how that applied to going after your first feature and then your first ultra 
then Allison, I promise I will ask you a question here shortly. Oh, I'm into this. I love this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the fear of failing thing is a huge question for me. And it's really tied up with um, losing my dad. Um, That was the so when I was born, my dad was 62. And I knew my whole life, like, I was just terrified of him dying because when you grow up with an old parent, it's like that is really front of mind. Like, oh, my God, my dad's going to be 80 something when I'm in my 20s. What does that mean? And after my dad passed away um, in 2012, while I was um, just starting to run also, I decided. So my dad had a stroke in 2011. And for the whole last year of his life, he was confined to a wheelchair and he couldn't speak or eat. Um, but we could communicate by moving letters on a magnet board. My dad was a runner. So I started running and it was a way for us to, um, communicate and for me to realize like, I, I have a body that is capable and I want to push it. And then once he passed away in 2012, I was like, oh my God, the scariest thing I could ever imagine happening has happened. And I'm still here and I'm okay. And I'm as okay as I'm going to be. I haven't like crumbled into a worthless ball of nothing. And it made me completely unafraid of everything else. I was like, well, what's the big deal? Like, this isn't life or death. I'm just making a film. I'm just running a race. I'm just doing this thing. And I just had to keep reminding myself, like, it made it made every single day like really precious to me because my dad always said like, I'm 88, but it feels like I was 15 years old yesterday. So, and I, I think I say that line in my own movie. So it made me really unafraid because I'm like, I only have so much time on this earth. What the hell am I afraid of? What am I doing? And it's something that the further away I've gotten from his death, I have to like remind myself of because that was like, I just channeled everything into working on the things that I really wanted to do and doing the things that I was afraid of. So yeah, it's really, it's really all tied to just losing my dad and having to process that and what that was for me. I mean, I can't relate more. I always talk about how, uh, when my dad almost passed, he had a a big health scare that made me start running that my whole concept of time has changed. And people are always like, why do you wake up at 4am and work as hard as you can all day? And like, why are you constantly trying so hard at stuff? And I, I couldn't relate more. The fear of failure has taken me a little longer than you. Um, but it's an interesting parallel. Um, Allison, tell me about uh, your your traditional schooling background you I'm trying to recall you were you were taught you were homeschooled for quite some time right yeah I was actually homeschooled uh, my entire life up until I went to community college so I went to like half day kindergarten when I was however old you are when you go to kindergarten like six and then I started attending community college when I was 16 and doing some dual enrollment classes So I never went to any school really until I went to a university. I transferred in and was at a university for two years. And then I was like, peace out. I'm moving to LA. This scene's not for me. I mean, that's, that's interesting. You played with that in your movie a little bit. 
um, just being your background being so different, I would say, and, and not having experienced some of the more like traditional things in life yeah. and in high school and middle school. Yeah. I, I mean, I think about it a lot. I, I joke a lot when people say, what, you're homeschooled? I never knew that. And I always kind of laugh and say, ha socialization for the win. Like you didn't know <laughs> because I think homeschooling tends to have a little bit of a reputation of like, you're just going to end up being uh, an awkward weirdo. But I think public school <laughs> produces plenty of awkward weirdos on their own as well. Uh, but just reflecting on that, especially in the past year, you know, I heard someone speaking on another podcast about the fact that suddenly everyone had all of these different areas of their life collapsed into one. So they were at home, which was also at work, which was also school, which was also all of these things. And I just thought, yeah, that's totally normal, though. Like, I'm very used to waking up and not leaving the nearest vicinity or the house for days on end. I mean, that's how I grew up. And I think it made me just really self-motivated and self-taught. So I don't require any deadlines, anyone pushing me. Like, no one's ever going to push me as hard as I push myself because I know if I put something on my to-do list, the only way it's getting done is if I make myself do it. So I might as well also wake up early and just check those things off so then you can play the rest of the day. You're one of the few people in the world I can text at like 6.30 a.m. and... (laughs) Be pretty confident you're awake. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, where's your drive come from, Allison? Because you were just constant. You, you're figuring this out as you go. It seems like you're making a career from a, a industry that's very difficult to break into and make an actual career out of. That's a great question. And I get asked that a lot. It's kind of something I struggle with when people ask me, you know, how do you stay motivated? Or how do you motivate yourself? I'm just kind of say set an alarm, and then wake up when it goes off, you know, don't hit snooze. I just have sort of this internal drive and fire. I don't know where it comes from. I think it's probably partially genetics and partially growing up homeschooled and just knowing these are the assignments I have to get done. No one's making me do them except myself. So just sort of stoking that fire every day in childhood (laughs) of knowing what it takes to wake up and just get things done. And I just, I just like learning things. I like making things. I like doing things. And I like taking on big challenges, just like you were saying, Victoria, like, why not make a feature? You know, the number of times people come to me and say, well, I want to make this short so then I can sell it to make the feature. And I'm, and all the time I'm like, don't say it, Allison, don't say it. And then I'll go, well, why don't you just make the feature? Like, why are you going to make this short? Why are you going to run a 5k? Why don't you run a 50k? Like, what's the difference? You know, it's the same amount of work. (laughs) Um, I want to, I want to switch a tiny bit here. I mean, Was it difficult with uh, the perspective of being a female filmmaker? Is the industry male-dominated? Because I I honestly don't know. I'm so new to everything on that. Um, Was was part of the reason going after it, writing it, directing it, producing it, acting in it, uh, you did not do the lighting, Allison. You did not. Oh, um, not. <laughs> and the actual uh, 
you know, lining up and focusing and everything. Um, but w- was part of that related to like being just strong females or, or was that just, is that part of the industry itself and not totally related? And do you want to Victoria, jump in on that, Victoria? You. Yeah. yeah. You, you, do you want, wait, do you want to go for it first or do you want me to? No, you go for it. I, I'm okay. so curious to hear your answer. I'd love to know. Yeah. She's I mean, for me, for me, the first, my brain first went to, and Allison was talking about like being homeschooled and things like that. And then I've just been thinking about like my experience in school and being like the weirdo mm-hmm. and how like public school definitely churned me out. I think a little bit worse for the wear and I had to like refine myself, but, mm-hmm. um, I was always that kid in group projects that did everything that like the teacher would be like, here's a group project. And then we'd all be grouped up and I would just be like, well, I'm just going to do everything because it's just going to turn out better that way. <laughs> and so, uh, I think uh, while making my film, I did the things that I needed to do. The initial concept was I wanted to be an, an actor. I, I wrote the thing as a showcase for myself as an actor. I didn't want to direct it. I was interviewing other directors trying to get somebody on board. And I quickly realized no one really understood the, my story. It's a really, really personal first film. And I think deep down, I always did want to be a director. I was just terrified to actually do it. And that was a huge moment for me of being like, whoa, I don't want to hand this like huge piece of my soul to somebody who like said to me, well, when you get the money, we can, we can talk about it. It's like, no, I want to talk about this now. And I want it to be amazing. And I want like, I get it. We're all doing art and people need to get paid. So I had no money to make this film. So I was like, all right, I'm going to do the things that I know I can do the best of like, I'm not going to light the film. I'm not shooting the film. I'm not going to edit the film. I'm not going to score the film. I know, I know my limits, but I did do a ton and I did the things that I knew I could do. And I did the things that I knew I would regret if I gave to somebody else because of what the film meant to me. Now, I definitely don't want to do all of those things for my future films. Like I'm not going to act in my next film. Um, I want to focus on the writing and directing so this is a very long answer to say that for me it has it has nothing to do with being a woman. To me it just has to do with me as an artist at that time and the kind of film it was and is. It's you you as you and I couldn't relate more cuz with my book when I was writing it I didn't want a publisher owning part of me cuz it was mm-hmm. like when I wrote that that's my story like no one's going to own that but me. Um and yeah, I ended up having to do almost everything myself, but I mean, that's kind of part of the, part of the way you do it on a zero budget. Mm-hmm. Um, Allison, how about you? I mean, for me, definitely a similar answer in terms of why I ended up directing my feature, which I also didn't want to do because I was also terrified of doing it. I think one of the things that 
I really appreciate about being a woman in this industry, at least in the community that I have, is I have such a strong network of other female filmmakers that if something does happen that you know is a little bit on the sexist side or a lot on the sexist side, it's very easy for me to text one or more often I'll text like five people the exact same scenario that just happened to me and I'll get immediate support and understanding because they've been there or they know they're going to be there next week or their friend was just there. And so that is something that I experience more in the industry is a lot of camaraderie among women versus competition. You know, we don't see it that way. We're always trying to help each other out and lift each other up, even if that's just texting and saying, wow, no one talked to you at the film festival where your film was screening. They only talked to your male DP. That sucks. Or like, but my that's, you know, everyone went up to my, mm-hmm. when my film was on the festival circuit, everyone went up to my ex and was like, oh, uh, we really liked your film Gold Star. And I'm like, that's my film. <laughs> yep. So annoying. So I mean, are these just two incredibly handsome gentlemen or... <laughs> No, I'm, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, just be, like I'm five foot. I think that sucks. Like, that sucks. I'm five yeah. foot two, so, and when you're standing next to a guy who's six feet tall, they're gonna go to the the tall dude. You know, it. It's just like I oh, do have that problem. Short, short girl. <laughs> oh. There's no way the short girl did the movie. <laughs> so, so that's the assumption. You're the the female didn't make the film or produce it or whatever. You're you're just an actress in it, in it or or something to that effect i think sometimes that which happens, is crazy yeah. yeah i'm not trying to create controversy when there is none and and honestly after asking the question it tells me more about how much of your guys story went into the films you made mm-hmm. than anything um because you both explore topics that parallel here and there believe it or not even having such like vastly different plots. Um, but I think you guys both open up your films in cars and um, I, I don't want to go through each film and Victoria, if you saw three rentals go through, my kids kept interrupting me and I couldn't get through the Amazon rental. And by the end, I just was like, like cursing, uh, and yeah, I run it at three times. Oh my gosh! Because uh, it's it is a, it's a, like an hour twenty. I want to say yeah, it's like ninety um, credits. I think or eighty nine something. Like yeah. That. No, yeah. that's yeah. But I'm, with uh, with a three year old and a six year old, that yeah. I should have just bought it. That was dumb. That's rough. Um, <laughs> oh well, m- more money goes to Victoria that way, so it's okay. That's what I figured. Yeah, yeah. but um, I. I, I was just going to say in terms of like the similarity of it, I think it also sp- speaks to the fact, just the similarity maybe in in spirit or in tone of sharing ourselves. To me, that also just speaks to the fact that one of my favorite things now as a filmmaker, and I know I talked about this one of the other times I was on, is really seeking out those sort of unheard voices or underrepresented communities on screen And it's unfortunate that in 2021, that still just includes women of all shapes, colors, sizes, abilities, uh, just as much as other diverse and underrepresented groups. But in terms of just being able to say like, hey, 
these are our stories and everyone can find something to relate to, you know, whether that's your experience with your father or your experience being the awkward kid in high school. Like there's so many stories out there that are just waiting to be told. And we just need more filmmakers telling them whether those filmmakers are female or non-binary or people of color. Like we just need more stories so that people can understand how similar we all are on that human level and make that connection. And that's why I really think storytelling is one of the most important jobs in the world. You guys are both writers. Is that yeah. correct? Mm-hmm. I mean, how how difficult is it for you guys? And I don't want this to be all about filmmaking, but just mostly. Um, <laughs> how, how hard is it to divorce yourself from character development? Like when you're writing... You know, you've you've only perceived the world through your two eyes. Like, you've only experienced things one way. Mm-hmm. How how hard, Victoria, is it to develop a character without subconsciously just making it a version of yourself? And Alice, I want to hear how you do that also, because I have trouble doing that. Like, I even my some of the verbiage is how I talk and Allison probably like rolls her eyes like yes it's so annoying when Rob writes characters it sounds just like sounds just like him um but how do you how do you go about that Victoria yeah it's hard I mean I think every character does come from you it's impossible for it not to even if you're basing it on somebody else like it's still you're channeling that person through you so I think for me, getting better at that just comes from like workshopping the script, sharing it with people, getting thoughts, stepping outside of myself, stepping away from the script, then coming back to it. Um, it's so challenging. I mean, for that first film, Gold Star, those are all based on people I know and, or like amalgamations of people. So for me, it was hugely helpful to have like readings of the script with people that don't know me at all like having my producers mm-hmm. ha- ask people to read the script that just have never met me have never met my family that's a good way to do it. don't know me um so to just get really really outside perspective and i think like even throughout the whole process of making a film even in post like have people watch the edit that just don't know you mm-hmm. because it's so hard to get honest feedback even if the script isn't personal um, it's hard to get honest feedback from people that, you know, it's, it's really difficult of people to be like, Hey, this sounds, this, this feels like you. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, it's tricky and it's hard to step outside of yourself and to, to, I think just to constantly remind yourself like, well, what, what is the story in real life? If, if it is a personal film, what is the story in real life mm-hmm. versus what is the story of the film? And to just question those. And I think everything I make will come from a personal place to some extent, but not as deeply personal as the first one. So yeah, it's just, I think it's just constantly questioning it yourself and having other people that you don't know chime in. What do you think? I just noticed some like turkey. I'm looking out my front window. And as I was talking, I noticed like, like 10 turkeys just running across my mom's oh freaking my God. <laughs> I noticed. They're, they're all, we, we do attract turkeys sometimes. So, it's uh, amazing. That's it's crazy. a turkey trot. It's a turkey <laughs> trot. 
I noticed really early on that both of you put your full name and I'm out here pretending I'm Beyonce with just <laughs> my first name rolling on this Riverside video. Like, you know who I am. I'm Allison. Like, I don't need no last name. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I completely agree with everything that Victoria said, especially in terms of, you know, having table reads, just sometimes having somebody read the lines out loud, they'll say it in a way that you never intended it to be said, but that opens up a whole new range of possibilities. So just getting those outside perspectives and outside voices is really helpful. I think for me, what I struggle with, I don't, I'll say I'm more aware of this struggle, which probably means my character development needs a little bit of work, but I really struggle with divorcing my producer brain from my writer brain and not self-editing like, mm, don't write that scene that takes place in a car because a car is really expensive to film in and you can't afford a car rig. And yeah. so just, you know, make that scene take place somewhere else. And it's important for me to remind myself when I'm writing to give myself full creative freedom to write to the budget level that I hope to achieve yeah. and then find a way to get there rather than writing everything to take place, you know, two people in a rundown coffee shop. I've, I've pushed you for that one. Honestly. Oh yeah. I've, I've, I feel like that's the one success in us collaborating. <laughs> Only one. <laughs> that I can take credit for. <laughs> <laughs> but um, that's a big challenge. Yeah. That, yeah, I, I did notice that first, like our, uh, our indie that we're writing uh, could be done for probably 5,000 if Allison was writing it um, by herself. Every scene's deserted town or deserted whatever trail. Yeah. Um, so, Victoria, have you seen Allison's movie and vice versa? I haven't. I need to. I'm like, shit. Okay. I Sorry, I just swore. Um, I should have. No. Oh, well, no, it's fine. Because I, I have watched Gold Star, but it definitely then was pre-covid so i'm like i remember i remember a couple of scenes and maybe the basics but man if you asked me to give you a full-on roger ebert review right now it would just be to go rent it three times on amazon so victoria makes more money and then you'll know more than i do you'll remember more than i do can you send me the link on amazon or however i can watch your film yeah for sure and then we'll redo what i want that's that's what i yeah like dang it guys like i <gasps> no um i i have like one or two more on film and then we'll shift gears but i feel like we're at a young filmmaker kind of indie potentially like a a golden moment of there's this giant void of media collapsing kind of being uh distant disassembled and in, in kind of like it's never been before with a lot of the streaming you can go direct to people now um you can you don't need to have giant million dollar budgets to make films that could potentially break even uh the economics of small films though still isn't there and i see it as a giant opportunity if you can figure out the puzzle um what are your guys' thoughts on the media environment that we're living in and where it's going and how to make indie films at least break even so everyone on set gets paid enough? Um, you know, we 
I don't know if we'll ever be able to compete with the obvious like big dogs, but uh, Allison, what are your thoughts? Is this an opportunity? Like, is it an opportunity to just make a name for yourself to then go and work for larger companies or or how do you see it? I think there's sort of multiple levels of indie films now. You know, you have places like uh, Fox Searchlights or Annapurna Pictures that have these higher budgets that are still, you know, quote unquote indie films, but are still made for a couple of million dollars. And it's hard for people like Victoria and myself to compete on that level, because even if we're making something for a couple thousand or a couple hundred thousand, it's still just not on that level in terms of being able to compete marketing wise or distribution wise. But what I see and what I think and when I get on one of my multiple filmmaking soapboxes is more on the rise of multi-hyphenates and people who are writer, creator, director, actor, producer that are doing a lot of different things and bringing, I don't want to say their brand, but just so much to the table. You know, you have that with the OA is probably one of the more well-known examples right now. But I think the more that people who have this creative drive can start to create their own work, number one, it's the most confident building, boosting thing you can do for yourself creatively. And I think everyone should make their own projects, no matter if it's $5 or $50,000. But that's where I see the industry going is in streaming, being able to say, you know, this is the next thing from Victoria Negri and everyone knowing, okay, we know her, we like her, we want to see what she's making next, whether that's something that's a couple of episodes on Netflix or Amazon Prime or what have you. As far as making things break even, I think we also are seeing now, at least I'm seeing now, there's a lot more people who understand how to crowdfund successfully and raise funds that way. So then you're not beholden to investors. And as soon as you start making money, you can start paying back cast, crew, people like that. There also is a whole tax regulation nonsense uh, that people can now also basically crowdfund investors. And that's a whole nother can of worms that we don't have to get into. But I would just say there are more accessible ways now to get the funding to make your film. And then I would use that to make your name and then jump from there into making larger and larger indie projects. And, you know, a rising tide raises all ships. What do you Uh, think, Victoria? Is this an opportunity? Is this just the industry as it will always be how tough is it i mean it's really tough i agree with everything allison said actually i think i look at my first feature as a stepping stone to make a second feature in a different way there's no way i can there's no sustainability in how i made the first film it burned me out so hard uh it was so many years of work, me emptying my bank account, me calling in every single favor from every person I know to an insane degree, filming in my mom's house. I mean, I can't make another feature that way. I'm sure I would. I'm sure I could crowdfund and figure something out and make something for cheap and piece things together because God knows I'm never going to stop doing this. But I don't want to have to do that. I want to have a career where I can not struggle with what day job I'm having. I want to 
make this kind of brand for myself that Allison is saying that I completely agree with, where people hear my name and they're like, I want to see that. I'm familiar with her work, the tone of what she makes and like the themes that she explores, because I kind of think everyone's going to make the same film over and over and over and over and over. It's just about like the, the things about the theme are the are different. But mm-hmm. I think every artist, no matter what artist they are, is just constantly like you get obsessed with one thing and and every film you make is going to be connected to that. So I think that I'm interested in building a brand around that. And I'm interested in, yeah, everything Allison said, like the <laughs> ship, everything like rising up. Like I want, this is why I'm so happy to reconnect with you, Allison. It's like, mm-hmm. I get so much energy and excitement out of everyone that I know that is smart and doing the things that I'm doing. And I want us all to like bring each other up and collaborate and work together and support each other. Because I think that's the opportunity. I think collaboration, multi-hyphenates, us trading off hats, helping each other get there together is the way to do it. And I think that um, I don't know what the opportunity is with everything shifting in distribution and how to get it out there. I just know the opportunity I feel and the energy around me from the people that I want to make things with. I couldn't agree more. My, I feel like my big breakthrough was... Uh, within ultra running media, at least everyone just does their own thing. Very mm-hmm. like siloed. You don't really involve anyone. You put your stamp on it. That's yours. And my my breakthrough was realizing I can't cover the triple crown myself. Involving someone else like Ryan Clayton, mm-hmm. like collaborating, bouncing ideas back and forth was like the f- one of the first true collaborations within ultra running and then to have the idea of a tv show instead of the Mm -hmm. typical 30 minute youtube just throw it on there for free concept i mean we were break even immediately like day one so it all worked um unfortunately i'm not doing the triple crown again anytime soon (laughs) but no i i totally agree with and i think it's applicable to filmmakers and all our different roles um, so my last question on filmmaking, Victoria, what was your take on film festivals doing that circuit? Allison, <laughs> what's your take on it? Should we just say screw Sundance and go like a, a totally different route for, for our film or, or what are your thoughts? But I'll, I'll start with Victoria and then I'll hit Allison there. I have many thoughts on film festivals. Oh, no, I think we have similar thoughts, Victoria. Go ahead. I think I'm going to take a big drink right now. (laughs) Part of of what we were just talking about can be applied. Like, I think the opportunity, Mm -hmm. film festivals need to see the opportunity in aligning streaming and release dates with festivals. I think Mm -hmm. that... Sundance, the the buzz, the festival buzz dies quickly. And to get people re-excited about a film 5,000 times, whether it's like a festival premiere and then you have the streaming, the theatrical and then the streaming, it's like I, our attention span is zero right now. So if streaming doesn't get in line with festivals, I think that's a huge mistake. I think that's completely kind of separate from my opinion about film festivals but I think it's worth noting that hopefully that change will happen. And I'm like intensely passionate about this. It's just insane. Like I don't want to wait a year after hearing about a film on a festival to actually see it. Mm-hmm. That's one thing. 
And then do you run a do you help a film festival? I do. Too? I program for the yeah. Oxford Film Festival in Mississippi. Um, I love. Oh my that. gosh! I had a film play there this year. Yes, yeah. So I program the Mississippi uh, features and shorts. Amazing. She she, she helped you get in. <laughs> no, I don't help. No, because because I didn't. I wasn't the submitter. Shannon Gibbs, the writer oh, creator uh, lead, yeah. was the submitter. So you wouldn't. I mean, unless you read way down to see the producer credits, you wouldn't have even known. That's so cool. Yeah, I love that festival. I think um, Melanie was who's the executive who was the executive director she just Mm -hmm. left did an amazing job like rallying last year because that was the first or second festival to go virtual during like last march during the pandemic Mm -hmm. and she worked really hard to try and make it a good experience for filmmakers which was challenging um so all this being said um i think like the sunday the big question everyone has is sundance or bust like is there you have Sundance, South by Tribeca, Cannes, like big, the Toronto, mm-hmm. which is just in, the impossible one, but the big festivals. And I think it's an unfortunate, like real thing. Like if you can't get into one of those festivals, you're just kind of like automatically, uh, it's challenging. It's challenging mm-hmm. to get your film out there and get it released um, in a big way, but it's not impossible. Like I have a friend, Jesse, Jessie Barr, her film Sophie Jones, which is a quiet family drama, just got released by Oscilloscope and didn't premiere at Sundance, didn't have huge premiere. Mm -hmm. I think it's being really smart about how you use your festival run to connect with filmmakers, to build buzz. And then I think you do need some kind of like name, stupid name attachment. You need a name actor. You need a name EP. Like she attached um, a a female. I told you, Allison. Told you. (laughs) I'm completely blanking on the... I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. (laughs) Rob knows my opinion on film festivals. That's why he didn't want me to talk first. (laughs) It it really is a name thing. And it's unfortunate because film festivals Mm -hmm. need to make money. And the way that they make money is like the brand of like, hey, this film has this person attached and this person. So the Sundance like next category of these are the next filmmakers. They start like Kristen Wiig and stuff. It's like, come on. Really? And, and so what does that do? The cost? What's the cost escalation of a film? If you need a big name, that's, you know, it depends. I mean, if you, I think it just depends on who the actor is or who's involved. Like you can get a, a name, executive producer who wants to be involved because they really believe in the film and love the subject matter and want to be a part of it. And then you give them like Mm -hmm. a percent on the back end or whatever. I think with actors, it all just depends too. It's like, are you offering something in the script that they really want to do that they've never done before? And are they willing to do it for cheaper? Mm -hmm. Um, So I don't know. Yes. I, I like that. I I have optimism now at the end of that. A certain gentleman who we're hoping to get. Yeah. Um. Sorry. It's no, all just it's, a ridiculous game. Allison's gonna hate me for all this. I'll, I'll shut up. No, no, I don't. I don't hate. She's you gonna sue me. I oh signed too many legal papers. Oh, I would never sue you. I have to sleep in your house for the next week, so I can't sue you. Um. No, what I was going to say is I, again, completely agree. And it depends on the name, you know, just who the person is, what part you're offering them, if they're willing to work for scale. It's just funny because before we started recording, Rob was saying he needs to get out of 
the business business and Victoria and I both were like film is still a business like it there are still just actual paperwork contracts monetary decisions and trade-offs that you have to make as uh, as a producer as a filmmaker so you have to again think about even though it is a creative industry stepping back and stepping into the business side of things and looking at what's the trade-off of getting this name is that going to help us get distributed is that going to help us get into this festival you know is it worth it you know I had someone telling me that they are waiting to hear about a feature film that they're going to work on and they might spend a third of their entire budget just on the cast now if they've decided that that's worth it because they're going to get xyz name that's going to help them get uh, foreign sales or distribution or into a good festival, then great. I'm of the opinion right now that I don't want to spend a third of my budget on cast. I want to spend more of my budget on my crew and I still want to pay my cast, but I want to cast good actors and not go after the names because I am about making good films and good stories and having that be the selling point. But that's where I am as a filmmaker right now. It's I'm not turning up my nose at people that want to go after names or want to get into big festivals. I just want to be more economical in the way I'm spending my money as a filmmaker. Festivals, I think, as Victoria said, you know, there's the big ones. And if you're not in that, you have to just use them as a networking opportunity. And I tell everyone, I know I told you this, Rob, like, get a spending limit. It's probably the same as getting on ultra sign up. You know, all those $20, $30 races, they add up quickly. That turns into $1,000 real fast. And a lot of your weekends gone uh, being at film festivals or being at races. So just be smart about it. Go to the ones that you know you can attend for uh, an affordable rate. You know, ones you don't have to fly to, ones you don't have to maybe stay in a hotel for days on end. And then just use them to meet other filmmakers and start building that community, building that network. You know, I was going to say earlier, one of my favorite things, Victoria, I feel like you'll agree as well, is I love getting good people jobs. Like when I work with a person and I love their work as a production designer or in the camera department, and then somebody reaches out to me and says, hey, I need a person who's good at this. And I say, oh my gosh, you've got to hire Rob. And then they do. It's like fireworks all day for me. It's the best feeling in the world. The producer connector brain. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Like, I just love that. So as long as you're looking at those smaller tier festivals as a a networking experience and a place to go and get inspired by other films and other filmmakers, I think it's totally worth it. You just have to be careful to not blow your whole budget on that because a lot of film festivals, yeah, they're designed to make money. They're also a business and they are going to take money from filmmakers. So again, don't spend a third of your budget on submitting and attending film festivals. It's dangerous to do that. That was, that was (laughs) the best advice you gave me was like, Pick ones that you really want to go to. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have enough self-confidence that I would get into any. I literally, (laughs) do you remember talking? Yeah. I was like, I would be happy if we got into one. And now you're in uh, so many bunches. Yeah. Well, and ironically, like you said, it it takes up time. Mm -hmm. It, It costs money to go unless they comp certain aspects of the festival. Like it costs money for transportation and hotels and everything so yeah food you got to be more fully committed if you're going to hit submit than maybe i realized at least 
it's one of those parallels. It's so funny to me how much filmmaking and ultra races can really parallel and doing, you know, a 50 miler on Saturday, the cost of doing that and transportation and food and hotels, and then the amount of time and energy, it's really similar to attending a weekend film festival. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and that's a very good transition. I, I appreciate that. And I'm middle of the pack, so I would never go to a festival expecting to podium. Um, <laughs> I'm just like enjoying enjoying the experience, stopping for photos as go. much as possible. Um, Allison, what are, I mean, tell me more about your ultra running. Last time we talked, you'd finished Moab 240. I haven't gotten many updates on the ultra running front since Moab T40. And I mean, have you signed up for a race since Moab? Are you, yeah. So are you going to run beyond a hundred miles ever again? Or was that a terrible oh, idea? For, for sure. For sure. Maybe not in the desert, but <laughs> definitely we'll do another big challenge like that. Uh, I was supposed to do the Leona Divide 100K in April, but that got rescheduled once again. So I, my race that I was supposed to do in April is no longer or didn't happen. Um, and then I was going to try and do a Yosemite Valley Circumnavigation FKT in May. But the conditions just were not safe. Part of the route had been damaged in fire and I spent an hour like scrambling through a boulder field and then decided wasn't fun, wasn't worth it, didn't feel safe, turned around, went home and called that one. Uh, but I'm going to run the Rim to River 100 miler in West Virginia in November. So I'm super excited about that. That'll be my first 100 miler. Not that far, you guys. No kidding. It'll be fine. Yeah, Victoria was saying she wanted to ask me what 100 miler she should do. She wants to go and I said... Victoria, I've never Depends run on, 100 miler, so yeah. I don't Depends know. Depends on where you, where you are. I mean, where where generally are you speaking? And um, before we before we go down that rabbit hole, I'm just thinking about how difficult COVID has been for you two. Jeez. Mm. Like, the filmmaking industry <laughs> shut down. Uh, the ultra-running world and travel shut down. Mm-hmm. So... I'm proud of you guys. We we made it through some of this and Yeah, go team. We did it. I Keep mean, on keeping on. The wildfires out west are really causing havoc now that yeah. yeah. We got enough people vaccinated. Now now we're going to cancel uh races for fires, but um yeah, no, you guys are crushing it and I'm proud of you for making it through just yeah. What are the odds that your career and your your passion, you know, outlet is all kind of shut down at once? So, um, Victoria, you're thinking about 100 miles. How do I talk you out of this? <laughs> Don't let him talk you out of it. Do it. Do it. It's great. No Why 100? No one can talk me out of doing anything. I'm just the most oh, stubborn. Oh, I got that vibe. Stubborn. <laughs> That's why I'm talking to both you guys. Both your movies. Basically, credits are just your name. Like you did basically <laughs> everything. Um, why 100 miles to I mean, start off I've with? done 50, and it felt like really doable for me. And I was like, all right, I got to do 100 now. So you got it. And, and are you 
generally thinking of like a location or are you just like i'll fly wherever just do a race i mean i'd like to keep costs low honestly like everything else and saying if it's not something super exotic and insane then yeah that would be easiest um somewhere not i don't want to start i don't want my first hundred to be the most impossible hundred mile race i'd like to like you know do a reasonable hundred miles <laughs> just an easy breezy hundred um and will this be a stepping stone towards other races i do don't know i'm really open-minded to like 135 miles sorry 135 oh miles? man i don't know <laughs> I don't know that no. I'll do that race. That um, that's a Dominion old old Dominion hundred has your name on it. Old Dominion. That's what I recommend. All right, hold on. I'm that or maybe like Burning River, Mohican. Those are more Midwest, but um, Old Dominion. I'm writing. You got to sign up for Old Dominion. It's one of the originals, and it's uh, not too far away from you. Okay, Victoria's cool. already so, Googling. Did you see that? She's already Googling this. I, I, I can see Ultra sign up through, like, I can see the reflection in your eyes. <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. Yeah, um, I mean, COVID just killed that, and well, you know, I'm really good at just running on my own and using it as, like, mental, like, help me God get through this awful time. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it kind of destroyed running but not really for me because i just am always running on my own anyway so so really quick your movie had you running in it and i thought it was some of the more beautifully shot scenes and i was just like ha i know she's a runner she's an ultra runner like that's how she nailed those shots oh yeah we, uh, like i felt like i had an inside scoop there a lot of um, running <laughs> But they were beautiful. Thank you. Seriously. Um, and I would also recommend contemplating a 24-hour type event. So oh, if you I'm can so... find... What's that? Oh, yeah. you can... Victoria, come on. You've been on set. You can definitely do 24 hours. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, the, the similarities between the endurance it takes to make a movie and wear all the hats that me and Allison have worn, I think is so similar to running and especially endurance running. So yeah, give me those 24 hour recommendations. I'm down. Well, that way you can test the difference, the distance. Like when you go beyond 50, how does it feel? How does Mm -hmm. it feel to run at night? It could even be like a 48 hour type event. Mm. Um, you don't have to run the whole time. Just explore what's what's my body feel like when I hit 36 hours. Like for me, I don't have to sleep until 36 hours. But then like I better not be driving a car. Or so, like I just cannot stay awake beyond 36 hours. So seems reasonable. I have to have two hours of sleep. And then I can go for another 24 hours, but it's you, but you, everyone's different and you have Mm -hmm. to experience it on your own to know, maybe you just hate the repetitive nature of, of some of those type of races. Like I really like point to point or like non-repetitive races because I can jump over that rock and know like, screw you rock. I never have to jump over you again or that ugly yeah. climb like you just do it once but some people like three mile loops four mile loops and will do it forever are you allison i don't get the vibe that you're into looping no yeah no 
Definitely not. <laughs> I mean, I think it definitely takes a different type of mental strength and endurance, and it would be a fun challenge to look at tackling at some point. But yeah, when I'm looking at races, I'm definitely looking at something that at maximum is two loops or an out and back, but nothing that's four times around or out and back and out and back or that's not for me right now, especially if I'm, again, if I'm making that economic investment to go and do it, just like you, Victoria, like I want it to be somewhere cool or somewhere different or exciting and like Rim to River just looks so gorgeous and it'll be really fun to do a race on the East Coast. That's where I grew up and just very different terrain than anything I've run in before, but it's the terrain that I literally played in growing up. So I'm really excited to go and do that race. It doesn't even have to be sanctioned race either. Like Allison's done some FKT type stuff. Like you could, Victoria, potentially just pick a hundred mile stretch of the AT and just go do that. And it doesn't, you don't need a medal at the end of a race to really be satisfied and to make it memorable. And uh, we all forget about it. I mean, <laughs> I, you just get so in the, ri- I, so not this weekend, but next weekend I'm doing Leadville hundred miler. I've been dreaming about this race forever, but at this point it will be my 30th ultra. Wow. And I don't need another belt buckle. Mm. Like I don't need stuff to mm. remember a race anymore. It's I'll remember it, you know, like I'll experience it. That's, yeah. that's what I'm all about is like the conversations on the trail and all that stuff. But I will not lie. When I first started, it was almost like, let's work backwards. That's a beautiful buckle. Let's look at the race <laughs> as opposed to like, now that was a very silly way of looking at it, but that's the way it was when I first started. I mean, for me, what's been so beautiful about being introduced in this community and being a beginner at it is the community and mm-hmm. the people and like being at Badwater a few weeks ago, I wasn't a runner. I was just a volunteer and that's my third time there being a volunteer. And God, I miss it. I miss those people. Like, I have friends there now. I can't wait to see them. I love, like, cheering for people and being, like, ex- it's exhausting being a volunteer, too. And I mm-hmm. love just, like, feeling like I'm in it and a part of it and helping people. And I just, yeah, the community is awesome. So, yeah, belt buckles are cool. But I just love being a part of it. And the people involved are also gracious. I couldn't agree more. That community was awesome. It, it had a different vibe to it than any other ultra I've been to. Were you at the after party, by the way, Victoria? I don't know I if you were. I had trouble. I got really overheated. <laughs> I couldn't. Oh, that gym, okay. I went to that yeah. speech area, and I had to step out of the gym. I, I didn't get a seat. I was like standing in the corner and felt like I was going to pass out and had to step out. And then I went into the bar and was like trapped against a wall. And I was like feeling just, yeah. I left pretty quickly. It was way too, I'm not, I'm not into like crowded social things mm-hmm. and it felt like a lot for me. So I left pretty. Quickly. That bar was, yeah. It was too much. Okay. That makes sense. I, I think, I think I saw you make a beeline out of there and I was like, man, she needed a drink. I, <laughs> like, <laughs> I got no drink. I just, I was like, I need air. I feel sick. This is overwhelming. And I, I left and felt pretty awful about it. What, what did you think about 
trying to film at Badwater? Do you think people fully comprehend, uh, like more more along the lines of just the heat on the equipment oh. and that sort of stuff? Oh, my phone was dying all the time. <laughs> It was overheating. It was overheating a lot. I had to keep running into the car and just putting it in front of the AC. Um, I don't know what people thought about filming, but I think I was very trying to be really tactful about like how much space to give people. And I saw certain things happening and didn't get in people's faces. Like someone was having heat stroke and we had to call, um, we had to call one of the med medical people over and I didn't film it. I just stood there and made sure they were okay. Yeah. Um, so I just try to be really mindful. And I think also a lot of people do recognize me from previous years and just kind of trust me at this point. So being there and chasing people around with a camera, everyone's pretty, most people were familiar. And I think I gave enough distance. I was in everyone's face when they finished, when I was at the finish line, cause that's an exciting moment. So I felt like mm-hmm. that was okay. But, um, but yeah, I just try to be really respectful and, chase people down when it seems like I can and give space when I can't. So I have a totally random question, but Dion during a sunset, there were two people in a car and I was pacing, trying to like keep it together because our crew was going through some stuff. Were you out there doing video with the iPhone or something? Yeah. Was that you or was that someone else? That was probably me during sunset after Darwin. Like towards the mountains? After Darwin? Yeah. Yeah, that was yeah. definitely me. Okay. Thank you for not widely sharing video of me running. Um, <laughs> after <laughs> Dion probably had better form than me and I'd only put in like 12 miles. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, that's, that's interesting. And Chris has been super nice to me. So, uh, Chris is awesome. I think he, he's like the first race director to ever say after race, like, I will send you all the film we have, use whatever you want. Like they were, he was there to like support my film, uh, with Dion and everything. Like if you want a time-lapse, oh, I have someone doing a time-lapse of the, that's awesome. Start line. Don't don't worry on don't do that. Like just go straight up to the start line. Like it, normally it's the opposite with race directors. They yeah. kind of don't hamper you, but they don't want to help per se. He's been So it was it was amazing. He's been so supportive and just saying what do you need from me? How can I help you? Exactly. Um, that's fantastic. Yeah. He's great. So I want to hear um, last questions here. How are you guys involving your now, I mean, not now, but your ultra running backgrounds and running backgrounds in future film projects? Um, Allison, I'll start with you selfishly. <laughs> Do you have any, is any of your running and hiking background going to be involved in future projects? Well, I will say yes, of course. Rob and I are working on a script that involves endurance sports or endurance activities. And I'm excited to get to explore that on camera and play around in that world. But I'll also say just having wrapped a feature that we were filming in Pittsburgh in June and July, it was, again, just funny how much of my ultra running knowledge 
was so handy on set because it's hot, it's humid, people are working 12 plus hours, our DP Tiffany's carrying a 30 pound camera on her shoulder half the day. And so people coming out to Crafty, which is basically the aid station, and saying, oh, I have a headache, or oh, I'm not feeling well, and just having that knowledge of like, okay, well, you're drinking a lot of water, but have you had any salt? What about electrolytes? Okay, you need some salty chips, you need this. Like, I was basically crewing an aid station for a month for a lot of people who don't have as much uh, knowledge of their physical body in terms of like what they need after 12 hours on a hot, humid day and doing all of this exercise. I mean, film sets are exercise. You're walking eight plus miles sometimes just as a PA going around, setting things up, taking out trash. So that was really hilarious to me and, you know, served me well, but just the knowledge of, okay, this is what you need. Just trust me, drink this Gatorade and stop arguing. Like this is what your body needs right now. So that has been really cool, but I'm definitely super excited to get to share some of my more physical physicality things on camera and just explore wild places. You're on set, like cutting up watermelon, and you got a jar of pickles. Oh, a hundred percent. The day of Western, the the day of Western states, I went to the grocery store, and all I bought was ice, bananas, and Gatorade. And I took a picture, and I said, "Am I crewing Western states, or am I working on a film set? Working on a film set. That's what we needed. Uh, The same kind of fuel. Yep." I mean, Victoria, tell me how you'll utilize your Old Dominion 100 finish (laughs) on your next film project. I mean, yeah, the the next feature is all about running. I was at Badwater, and I've been at Badwater the past three years. It's happened for a reason. The next feature is a narrative film based on a woman who runs Badwater 135. So I've been doing years of research specifically about that race, and it's a lot of why me getting tight with Chris is important. So um, we had that film, we had a lead actress attached just before the pandemic last year, pandemic shut it down, she dropped out, and now we're going to start reaching out to cast again. So hopefully we'll be shooting that, you know, once temperatures cool down and we have cast attached. So yeah, I mean, the whole next film is running. <laughs> so. well, I, I, I do know someone that could crew the the aid station. Yeah. Um, uh, that's kind of their specialty. Although you haven't been out to Badwater, have you, Allison? No. You've been out to Death Valley at all? No, I hate the heat. Don't convince me to do it. I don't want to do it. Oh, my you God. Know what? Yeah. You know I'm going to be just, there this year just because I'm trying to that. hook you up come, with a you know, little job here. Now I'm going to talk you into it, too. you got to be there. Well, I'll film Allison just falling apart trying to to oh, help man. the film. Allison, Listen, Allison, I will yeah. I will make a doc. If you if you run it, I'll shoot a doc. <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> I am a hundred percent. If you if you would oh. give me that access, I a hundred percent want to shoot you doing it. This is what go. I will say is. When I hear myself say, well, I don't want to do bad water or I wouldn't want to do Western States because it's hot and that's really hard. Then the other part of my brain says the reason that you do ultras is because they're hard. So that's not an excuse. So that's what I'll say. 
I'm just waiting for the go-ahead now. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know I'm going to text I you mean, later and say, what What can I do to help on your film? What do you need? Oh, yeah. No, vice versa. I, I mean, again, Rob, thank you for making this happen. I'm, like, so excited to reconnect with Allison. I know. Yeah. No. I mean, selfishly, you guys just were too similar not to lump together in my brain. Like, you just you, – your backgrounds are so similar. And, uh, Victoria, you're welcome to, to – practice with the doc if i get into bad water yeah but, um, we'll see um so where can we follow you guys on social media we didn't talk ultra running enough so i'll have to have you both back on uh to discuss your upcoming races and talk a lot more ultra running but it's hard as a filmmaker not to go down that mm-hmm. and just enjoy hearing your perspectives and again i think you're doing everything very well right now i i really like both your movies and i can't wait to see your upcoming movies and i'll be renting those three or four times as well <laughs> so um, like to contribute that's awesome so um allison where can we follow you on social media the best place is probably instagram i'm at allison h powell Two L's and Allison, two L's and Powell, no L's in the letter H. Um, mm-hmm. Also on Facebook, Allison Powell. My website is allisonhardingpowell.com. So you can find me there. I think that's my name on Strava too. I don't know. Follow her on Strava. <laughs> Just make sure it's real. Make sure it's legit. Oh, man. Uh, Victor- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Victoria, where can we follow you? Um, yeah, Instagram, I'm definitely most active. It's just my name, Victoria Negri. I'm on Twitter. Uh, it's Victoria and then two underscores Negri because my original account got hacked. Long story. Um, I'm also on Facebook and I'm private on Strava, but if you friend me, I'll probably friend you back. I just try to protect where I'm running because, I don't know, I'm a little bit terrified of strangers knowing where yeah. I'm I've gotten to the point where I'm like, like if I go for a run with a friend, I'm like, can you set up a security perimeter thing? Like, <laughs> just to be like overly cautious. Y'all I'm, are too fancy for me. I don't even know how I set up my Strava to begin with. I barely use oh, it. My no. Garmin sends all my data to Strava. I thought you were saying make sure it's real, Rob, because if you, <laughs> I don't think I texted you this, but I set my new watch to trail run the other day. And I ran a trail and it told me I did 2,500 feet of climbing. I am in flat middle of North Carolina. And I said, there's no is way it, I did is that. Is it the instinct? The, yeah. The instinct? Yeah. Or? And you told me yeah, that it I, did that. And it did. So when you were saying make sure it's real, I thought you were saying make sure that her activities are no. real. Because some of them have been straight up lies well, recently. And that's not on me. Matt Daniels was probably like, eh, oh, I like, no, I put that in my we training. We said no blog. climbing. I was like, that's not real. If you see it on Strava, it's a lie. Ignore it. It's not even possible on that trail to do that much climbing. Just like pretend it's not there. It's fine. And you just got a hundred new followers. On <laughs> verify. I don't. Right. I whatever. It's fine. I don't care. I'll, I'll outrun well, I, you if you find me. I'll outrun I, you. It's I appreciate it, and yeah, I'll try to. I'll try to go for a run with both of you so we can confirm that your Stravas are legit. So, <laughs> have have a good night, and uh, thanks for talking a lot of film and ultra running. I really enjoyed it, and stay in touch, both yeah. of you. Thanks. Yeah, absolutely. Fun.
And that was episode 183. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Big thank you to Allison and Victoria for taking so much of their time. Really excited for this upcoming Kipchoge shirt giveaway. It's a signed, framed Kipchoge shirt. And uh, NBC Universal's hooking us up, so I'm just really excited about that. Stay tuned. It's going to be a different type of giveaway. But shout out to Tannery Outdoors. They're a big podcast supporter. Exoskin. The John Wayne Cancer Foundation. Their Grit Series. And big shout out to you Patreon supporters. I know we finally got at least one hat option for you. So I'm trying to give Patreon sort of the super exclusive sneak peek at Training for Ultra Hats. But we got a lot of really great stuff ahead. Stay tuned and just really appreciate you guys. I know there's tons of podcasts out there and I want to add value and inspire you and hopefully teach you something along the way. But thanks for listening. Most importantly, don't forget to enjoy your training. Have a great week.